Hello friend, I am Maria and welcome to the Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. This show is about spirituality, consciousness, and the inner workings of the universe at large. My partner Sergey uses hypnosis to bring me into a deep theta state where I get a chance to connect with my higher self. He then interviews me to uncover a wealth of knowledge about higher realms, celestial beings, and various energetic practices. Enjoy! Today, I would like to talk to you about DNA. What is DNA from the spiritual perspective? You can think of DNA as the building blocks of this reality and a part of the matrix um, as it relates to organisms and not necessarily structures. So things that you would consider to be um, things, organisms, entities that have consciousness have a DNA structure attached to them. Things that don't have other types of structures that determine their form and function in this time-space reality. From this perspective, um, if I were to expand your perception, um, not only things that you would consider animate objects have DNAs, but also things like minerals, for instance, and uh, I don't know, like large rock formations, they have their own DNAs. Now they might not all come in the same form, right? They might all have different forms, but again, everything that has a consciousness has a DNA. And you can think of it as an imprint that belongs to that particular organism or that particular stream of consciousness, spark of consciousness, um, and anchors it into this time-space reality. Hmm. If that makes sense. That makes sense. Is, is there a big difference then between uh, spirit, spiritual perspective and just this kind of 3D perspective on DNA? There is definitely a big difference. Let's start with the fact that the concept of a crystal having DNA is beyond your comprehension, I might imagine. Yeah. Or the concept of the ocean having DNA is beyond your comprehension. Um, you tend to think that only things like animals and plants, for the most part, um, now, obviously, if we go into the science world, they do acknowledge that things like bacteria and, you know, viruses have DNA. But again, this is still a very limited perspective. Yeah. And uh, so again, everything that has a consciousness has a DNA. What would maybe it look like for uh, something that is not perceived as a living creature or living being uh, like an ocean or a stone? Is it something that is material or energetic? Uh, it's both. DNA is generally both. So for 3D uh, realities, um, and by the way, DNA is a concept, is a construct that spans um, different dimensions. Um, and it takes different formats within different dimensions. Um, for physical worlds like this one that you're living in, there is always an aspect of a DNA that's purely physical that you could extract from an organism 
and if you had capabilities of replicating it or understanding how to replicate using that strand or that genome, you would be able to replicate that organism via this code, right? So you can think of DNA as a code. So for um, example, right, some, some, some extraterrestrials, for instance, um, when, when planet Earth was created and populated, it wasn't only populated with life forms such as animals and plants, it was populated with other forms of consciousness, um, like crystals, for instance, right? Crystals is a form of consciousness. And a lot of them were transported from extraterrestrial planets, from other planets. And it was done via DNA-type material, right? A genetic imprint from other planets, meaning um, somebody, like a consciousness, um, like an extraterrestrial race, didn't just bring like a large rock, so to say, or like a large crystal, like Labradorite, for instance, and plant that into the Earth um, um, the earth plane. They brought like the DNA sequence of Labradorite or any other crystal. There are a lot of them that have extraterrestrial origin. Mm -hmm. um, and then that DNA was replicated um, within the framework of this planet. Mm -hmm. Right? So wh where, where I was going with this was that um, if you knew how to separate that, split that structure from a crystal formation or um, another entity, the way some higher dimensional extraterrestrials would, you would be able to replicate that and transfer it without having to transfer the full object. Makes sense. And uh, what does it consist of in this case? Um, like maybe some kind of anatomy of the DNA? Yeah, well, you can think of it as a molecular structure a structure of molecules or cells, if you will, um, that is both physical for physical worlds as well as higher dimensional, higher frequency. Mm -hmm. So if you think of DNA as a construct that it, you know, that does not just belong to planet Earth, like let's look at it from like the overall matrix perspective, right? Um, it's almost like um, if I zoom in, it's like an apartment with multiple rooms, so to say, right? Um, some of these rooms are higher dimensional and some of these room are, rooms are um, lower dimensional, right? Yeah. Now, if you, um, let's say it's, I'm just trying to um, figure out like a way to give you an analogy that you would understand because this is actually quite complex. Um, so depending on your level of awareness, you might only be able to see some compartments in some rooms and not others. So when scientists on your planet are examining DNA, they're only able to see the two compartments that are densest, densest in, um, in dimension. So the most physical aspect. So they're only able to see the most physical compartments of that DNA structure. It's almost as if they don't have the keys to unlock all the other rooms. And because they don't have the keys to unlock all the, all the other rooms of this apartment complex, they're de facto not real. Hmm. Makes sense. Right? So they're not yeah. real to them at that particular, from that particular vantage point. Mm -hmm. Does it make them completely not real? Because there are all these other compartments of science today 
on your planet does not see, does not acknowledge, acknowledge. In the same way that science, especially Western science, let's talk about Western science, does not ex- acknowledge the presence of light bodies mm-hmm. within a human yeah. or shockers or any of that, right? Quote unquote nonsense <laughs> from the Western perspective, but it doesn't make it less any less real. Same thing for DNA, right? Is it uh, universal, um, maybe programming language uh, that is used to build our matrix? No, no, no. Okay, so not to be not to confuse you. Yeah. Um, let w- w- we need to separate church and state a little bit. Mm-hmm. So the matrix, right, um, is everything that you see around you that is not necessarily consciousness right although arguably everything is energy and thus everything is consciousness but that's a different perspective but um things like i don't know um, houses made of bricks or i don't know uh, highways and lanterns and i don't know the concept of money every like all of these things objects almost around you uh the decorations of your world are the matrix Mm -hmm. right um and then it has sparks of consciousness embedded in into it right yeah that are complete and separate so it's almost like you can think of the matrix as an inanimate fabric where animate objects are being implanted so they can grow and evolve over time Mm -hmm. the matrix doesn't have the dna it's these objects that are implanted into the DNA fabric that have consciousness, have the DNA. And the reason they need to have the DNA is because basically when souls come here and incarnate here, they need to reduce themselves. So it's almost like um, if you are an ocean, you're trying to compartmentalize yourself into a glass of water and reduce yourself. Mm-hmm. And you have to do that in a very particular way. Right. So a DNA is actually a very complex structure that enables a few things all at the same time. So first, it, it enables you as a higher level consciousness to diminish yourself or project yourself or like lower your frequency enough to be able to contain within a physical form. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So that DNA of of whichever organism you choose is going to determine what your physical body looks like when you incarnate. But at the same time, that structure, energetic structure of the DNA is responsible for so much more than meets the eye. So your DNA doesn't just govern your physical body because that would be almost too simplistic. Remember how I told you a DNA is a structure that allows a consciousness to anchor into the matrix? Mm -hmm. For the consciousness to be able to do that, it needs to carry with it its original code. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, there would be no difference between souls incarnating. If everybody incarnated in in the same exact way, you would lose yourself. If that makes any sense. You would lose that aspect of you that makes you you. And everybody would be like a copy-paste type of entity, a copy-paste type of consciousness. And of course, as you know, that's not the case. Each of you listening to this podcast are incredibly different. Each of you are quote-unquote individuals, right? So the DNA on top of holding something that belongs to your species, right? So for all of Homo sapiens, there are aspects of the DNA that are exactly the same. 
And by the way, um, a lot of the physical objects like animal kingdom and plant kingdom have very, very similar DNAs just because this, this more belongs to the planet Earth. And that's why it's so common for planet Earth. So like planet Earth as an entity, as a consciousness, requires a particular type of anchor to anchor in. So that's why there's going to be a lot, a lot of similarities between your physical DNAs. Right. Now, on top of those two or three or however many compartments that house your physical um, abilities uh, and features, phenotype, all of that, like eye color, hair color, uh, do you have like... <laughs> body hair or you don't have body hair do you have tails or don't have to like all of these features right that is just like the very rudimentary aspect of this blueprint mm -hmm. there are a lot of compartments within the dna structures strands if you will genes that contain aspects of who you are as a consciousness or a soul incarnated into this cell structure mm -hmm. right so DNA helps you anchor who you are as a soul in this th third dimensional consciousness in a way that provides continuity for you as a being. And how does it connect with, um, as I understand, it has to connect somehow with your energetic bodies in this case. It is something that um, helps your energetic bodies um, be created in the first place. Right. This is something that is like the alpha, the, the what comes before your energetic bodies are even formed. So it contains the information, the light codes, the genes, mm -hmm. so that your light bodies are formed in a very specific way that is unique to you mm -hmm. and unique to your mission as well as to who you are as a consciousness. Hmm. And uh, where is it coming from? Because we know that the physical one comes from our parents yes right what about the uh, rest Ooh. all right we just opened a whole big can of worms are you ready yeah. it comes from every which place <laughs> there are like <laughs> the possibilities are endless um let me just uh tell you some of the very common um compartments of where your lighter light dna strands that are quote unquote not not real for your scientists where, where they come from um the first and most obvious uh, would be your ancestral line. Now, you do know that your physical aspects of the DNA are inherited from you for, from the two of your parents, right? Um, you know, one, one strand from your mother and the second strand from your father. Now, this is the most rudimentary features. Like, do you have, I don't know, something as simple as, as how tall are you versus how short do you have black hair or like blonde hair? Right, so some, something that's so rudimentary that I can begin to tell you. Mm -hmm. um, basically, without these types of features, you wouldn't be able to even incarnate or even build a body, right? You would be missing limbs and eyes, I don't know. So it's like just such a basic form. Um, it's like the walls of the building almost and, and nothing inside. Then we get to um, light bodies, right? So in order for, be, for you to be able to build your light bodies, um, you have to, so basically your energetic body as well as your mental body and as well as your emotional body are all at least in portion borrowed from each of your parents. So that information is also encoded in the light strands of your DNA that is quote unquote invisible in the same way that those bodies are invisible. Mm -hmm. So it's like the different layers um, mm, in the, in the same way that um, 
the, the way your bodies are structured um, from your innermost to your outermost, most like the Russian doll with inner um, and then uh, layers and then other layers on top of each other, the DNA is really structured the same way. Kind of like with, uh, it has outer layers as well, as well as additional strands. Right. So those lighter things that you don't see, um, it could be gifts specifically that you have inherited from energetic gifts, so to say, or emotional gifts. And I say gifts very loosely because you sometimes inherit the good, the bad, and the ugly and everything in between, right? It's not just the good stuff. Um, from your father or from your mother. There are some light strands that are particular to a particular lineage, right? If you were born into a certain type of lineage, um, that lineage could grant you, gift you a particular light strand that becomes part of your DNA. Hmm. And that is unique to your lineage. Now, some have it, some don't. Um, some um, lineages have more than one that you could inherit. Um, then moving on, um, some human beings are, uh, pre that, that are present on Earth today are actually hybrids between um, Homo sapiens, what you, what you guys call Homo sapiens, and extraterrestrial DNAs of all kinds, from all kinds of different planets. So um, very often if you have, if you call yourself a star seed, or if you have like a strong connection to a particular planetary consciousness, uh, as in your ancestors came from there, like, um, you know, even to a very, very far away degree, um, you would often inherit a DNA strand or two or three, depending on what planet they came from, as part of your genetic baggage, so to say, or generic, genetic. It's kind of like inheriting, um, it, it's funny now that I'm thinking about it, like a family state, you know, mm -hmm. like family estates are passed on from, um, you know, um, older generations to the younger generations, same thing here. Like you're, you know, it, 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 you might be unaware that you inherited something. It doesn't mean that you didn't inherit it. It's kind of like inheriting an estate that has this whole like left wing that nobody ever goes to, or it has like a system of sellers that nobody's aware of, or has some type of, I don't know, floor that is unbeknownst to you, you like you inherited, but you don't even know. And until you go looking, you might never find out. Mm -hmm. And then, the other aspect of it would be gifts, what I would call gifts from your higher self. So obviously as a soul, right, when you're incarnating and you're reducing your consciousness into such a small, and I would say uncomfortable, limiting dimension, you are not going to send yourself into battle completely unarmed, right? You're not going to give up 100% of what you are and just relay, rely, sorry, on your parents and, you, and, and, and this ancestral lineage that you're coming into. That would kind of defeat the purpose of learning, right? Because remember, the whole reason that you're here in the first place is to learn from your particular vantage point and from your perspective. So that perspective is being downloaded into your DNA. Now, what forms that perspective? A big chunk of that perspective is formed by who you are as a soul and specifically your different talents that you have right so over the different set of incarnations and i'm talking at soul level as you move from one body to the other body to the other body you accumulate certain traits and i don't mean physical traits obviously in the, in the soul capacity but certain skills if you will as a soul mm -hmm. right so you're expanding in a certain direction some of you are learning courage other you others are learning compassion and again like i'm i'm um giving you very simplistic examples. 
Some of you are all into enlightenment, um, others into connecting from to higher realms from lower dimensions, others are about mastering elements, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like the, the like the world's your oyster. So, as you're planning this incarnation and you're trying to cramp who you are into the small compartment structure, apartment structure called DNA from your higher perspective, you have to pick and choose what can fit in there and what cannot. Because any DNA structure, no matter how sophisticated and perfect, compared to your higher self is a very limited structure, right? Your DNA physically cannot hold all of your higher self. If it was so, your higher self wouldn't need to split itself into so many different parts. And mm. the learnings could just happen from within one avatar. Now, that is not the case. By the way, this is also not the most optimal way to learn because you generally learn from having more variety, not less variety of experience, right? That's why there was a reason why these DNA structures were created in a very limited way. They were meant, right, by the, by the great architects that created the matrix. They're the ones that also created this concept of DNA. So it's also a very scientific mathematical concept. And their premise was, hey, could we potentially create a structure that would house the entirety of your skill set of your higher self? We could, but that does not provide enough of a challenge. So this particular subset of architects that created this time-space reality decided that they would, by definition, make DNA a very cramped structure. It's almost like if your higher self is used to living in an estate, they gave it like a two-bedroom apartment and said, Listen, that's all you have. It's all the space we give you. So now you have to pick and choose. Hmm. So as your higher self is selecting a mission for the incarnation, it's also selecting just enough skills, learnings, etc., um, that it deems necessary for you as an avatar to be able to walk into and um, you know into your mission and complete that mission successfully. Right. Yeah. So by definition, it would well, it has to be super selective to be able to fit everything into such a small zone. Um, so it has to pick and choose. And very often things that it wants to take, it's not able to because it runs out of space. Kind mm. of like on a flash drive, you only have so many, like so much space. It's not a cloud. Yeah. DNA structure is more of a flash drive. So basically the light, um, the light strands of your DNA are also gifts from your higher self. And what that means is everything that your higher self deemed necessary for your journey currently to be able to hit the bullseye of your mission. Yeah. And all of that is going to be in the invisible side of DNA that your science today does not recognize and wouldn't recognize for another at least 5,000 years. So that's like a, a, long, a, long, a long time in the future. Um, to even, you know, before the, the true magic of DNA is really uncovered. So to sum up, right, DNA is this energetic structure that was created by the same entities, the same architects, greater architects that created the matrix as a means um, of anchoring a, a higher dimensional consciousness into a lower dimensional plane with the... Um, basically the idea that that consciousness is going to have to pick and choose 
the specific gifts that it wants to take into a particular incarnation mm -hmm. that are useful. And, um, and with the constraint that they cannot take it all. Right. And again, with the purpose of learning, advancement, and adventure. And how many uh, layers are there, like, of the DNA as a structure, right? So it's kind of, we have, as I understand, we have seven uh, bodies, and maybe it's, like, much more, right? The problem with is bodies is like a, it's like a layered cake and it's really hard to like there is a simplistic way of looking at bodies and then there is a, a much more sophisticated way of looking at bodies. Right. Um, you could argue that you really have two bodies, you know, what you see in the physical and all the light bodies combined being the second like the second body. Like that is a plausible perspective. Mm -hmm. You could argue that you have five. You could argue that you have seven. You could argue that you have 12. You could argue that you have 24. And all of these answers are going to be correct. You could argue that you have unlimited, even in third dimensional reality. The reason being, if you have at least one soul ever that incarnated on planet Earth and was able to reach a particular frequency or dimension, mm -hmm. that body was already created and manifested on planet Earth. The trick is, you have had souls that incarnated on planet Earth that were able to access from this particular vantage point source consciousness. Mm -hmm. Source consciousness is the epitome of everything in unity and all the layers in between. Yeah. Which means that you can slice and dice the spy in, or you would have to slice and dice it into the unlimited number of layers in between. Mm -hmm. So um, when you're asking me, um, what is possible, technically, technically speaking, it is not impossible that somebody could come, that there could be an entity that came to um, this time-space reality with what you would perceive to be an unlimited number of DNA strands. Mm -hmm. It's not impossible. It's just not very probable and right. not very likely. Mm -hmm. So, but is there a connection between... Uh DNA strand and a body, like one of the layers, like does it feed it or does it create a body? It's not so simple. It's not like, um, you know, each strand um, that like one strand is responsible for the emotional, one strand is responsible for, um, for the mental. It actually yeah. depends. Um, an interesting way or probably the best way to think about it would be... Do you know if you're uh, working in um, Microsoft Word program? Mm -hmm. Technically speaking, it has an unlimited number of pages, but, right? Like white pages. Yeah. Like you can keep scrolling, and as you keep scrolling, like you never run out of pages. Mm -hmm. But when you're on page one, that's not accessible to you because you're still on page one. So like this program doesn't need to take the operating capacity of the computer with creating an unlimited number of pages, right? Mm -hmm. So the pages are created on demand. So you can think of the same way um, when you think about DNA strands. Mm. Technically, a DNA, strand, uh, a DNA uh, structure is a very flexible dynamic structure that will house as much stuff that it needs to house. But new strands are only created when you run out of space, quote-unquote. So imagine that as a soul, you have so many soul gifts, and it's a crazy big incarnation. 
and your familial lineage also has a lot of gifts that it gave you and you also happen to have extraterrestrial dna like you have the full package right so you would i don't know like say you you have three million things that need to fit on on, on that dna um structure like new strands of dna are going to be created up until the entirety of those gifts is contained within within that one structure mm-hmm. right so it. it's not that there is a predetermined number of shelves because technically speaking what you're uh, like a dna strand is a shelf mm-hmm. right and it is a flexible enough structure that if you needed an unlimited unlimited number of shelves you could have an unlimited number of shelves but nobody truly needs an unlimited number of shelves right because nobody at least well i mean define unlimited right yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> from your perspective unlimited versus from a perspective of source are two very different unlimiteds um so basically you only need so many shelves to house all of your treasures all of your soul gifts so however many you have like in terms of light strands are exactly equivalent to the new soul gifts now sometimes what happens is during a particular incarnation you're getting new gifts or you need new gifts um and your higher for for instance like something changed the circumstances changed and your higher self decided to bestow you with a particular skill set that it didn't originally foresee that you would need mm-hmm. but say you already ran out of shelves what's going to happen your dna while you already are in the body is going to develop another light strand because at any point in time your higher self your higher aspect has full access to your body now this does not necessarily happen with the more physical aspects of dna so if we're looking at the physicality like the two chrom uh, not the two chromosomes but the two um um helixes right mm-hmm. the two strands um that are passed on to you from your mother and your father are fixed at the moment of conception right at that moment of conception that genetic information that has to do with what your future body is going to look like has already been passed on so those two shelves are fixed but the light shelves can still undergo some um dynamic changes the reason being there are a much more dynamic structure they're a lot less rigid flexible they're a lot yeah exactly they're a lot more flexible they they're open and 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 mendable and moldable and all of all of the above right got it That's so stretchable shelves so they can still keep accessing or or accepting new things that makes sense so and again uh it's a universal language in this yes. universe yes right yes. so basically everything in this universe is made out of same kind of dna structure like whatever so if we think of the dna structure again is like an apartment of sorts with rooms mm-hmm. and, and and keys then yes mm-hmm. obviously not every world in this time space reality is a physical world of course yeah so some worlds don't need physical dna strands at all mm-hmm. they don't require those physical structures got it Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And now uh if you look at the population of this planet, uh maybe uh, how many layers like on average? On average, yeah. On average you guys have seven a total meaning mm-hmm. uh two physical and seven uh sorry, five um 
light. That's on average. Mm -hmm. With some exceptions when much more yes. or less. Yes, obviously. Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> That's the whole point of average, yes. right? Yes, yes, yes. Is yes. you have the ones that have more and the ones that have less. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, interesting. Okay. So now maybe you could help me to understand this thing as DNA activation. Uh, because sure. I was reading that like scientists tell that it's just 3% of our physical DNA is kind of activated or I don't know, maybe there is another word for it, but like basically 97% is junk DNA. It kind of means nothing, at least for the science. Like what, what does it mean from the spiritual perspective? Yeah. Yeah. So I, you see, like sometimes they like really have an interesting insight and then they reply it in a completely wrong way. But basically the answer is both are true. Uh, but let me, let, let me explain what I mean by that also. So obviously there is nothing in, especially from the standpoint of the great mathematician, like the, the DNA structure was created by a great intellect compared to the intellects of your scientists, right? Like uh, it was created from a much higher perspective. So I guarantee you they have more important things to do that put junk in a perfectly good structure. Um, the reason that your scientists perce perceive such a big part of DNA as junk, um, and, and right now let's, let, first let's talk about the physical aspect of your bodies, right? Like that's what your science deals with. Um, and that's a very important distinction. So they are saying that, hey, like only 2% of the DNA is, this current DNA is useful, everything else is junk. Your DNA is from, from the standpoint of, it's, it's almost like a map. Go here, do this. Don't go here, don't do that kind of, right? As you're building this body, right, whoever you are, creative force, as you're building this body, build it in a certain way. So when they're saying 98% is junk, that means that in the entirety of creation, of how an organism could be created on planet Earth, say, um, if we imagine that the, all the possible actions that you could take to build an organism from a human to a fly to, I don't know, a tree, right? Let's say that there are a certain number of actions you could take, like the, the way you can join proteins, the way you can unjoin things, the way you could um, reframe them, et cetera, et cetera, right? So say that that entirety is 100%. Um, when they say that the human DNA is 2% activated or whatever, um, that only 2% of them really describe the pathways, that is all really, all the pathways that are needed to create the physical body of a human. The physical body of a human is not that sophisticated. It only requires 2% of the steps. Now, because this is the one-fits-all type of structure, the 98% would help you create all types of other consciousness on this planet. But we're creating a human here. Mm -hmm. 
So it's a particular code of creating a human. So no, you're not trying to create a fly. And that's why everything else, like, because that same DNA molecule contains the information um, of how to create a fly, how to create an elephant, how to create a dog with broken links between these. So it's almost like electricity doesn't flow between these two linkages because the purpose of this molecule is not to create a fly and not to create an elephant, but to create a human. Mm -hmm. That's why those things, like all the pathways you're not meant to walk when creating this body are perceived as junk DNA. But it's because, you know, when grand architects technically look at, look at earth, they're trying to create commonalities more often than not. Right. Because they're not, they're, like this great consciousness is too vast to just work on planet Earth. They would find that completely unappealing. They're working uh, at the levels of the universe, like from the universal perspective. So they're trying to create one structure that fits all. And the only way you can do that is by building a map of everything first and then deactivating certain things. Does it mean that in our DNA, all the probabilities of the physical creation is kind of possible? Like it's contained within. Contained within. It's yeah. contained within. Yeah. So from the human genome, if you learn how to decode it, even just from the human genome, you would be able to um, understand how to build a fly. Or, mm -hmm. or how to build an elephant from those same components, mm -hmm. right? Because again, um, you know, it, it's not that much different. It's the same building blocks. It's, it's this similar type of proteins. So just to... Because even if you think about the, the chemical periodic system of elements, it's a very small number of elements. It's not an unlimited number of elements. Mm -hmm. So uh, from the chemical perspective, this, this universe is very simplistic. That's why the great architect, the great architects didn't need to create like multiple maps. It's like one map for all of these organisms with certain pathways just deactivated. Now, let me make one um, like, uh, let me tell you about one caveat, right? Um, humanity as a physical species, as a homo sapiens is evolving. So your DNA also contains information on what is, what like your physical abilities, right? For, for example, Homo sapiens right now does not fly. It's not an organism that can fly. Let's say over time, which is possible, um, over millions of years, you had to develop a capability to fly and you turned your arms into, your, into wings or just grew wings or something, right? Um, is a mutation like that possible? Over time, yes, it is. Now, a species really needs to like want to develop it for survival um, uh, purposes, right? So it doesn't just happen because somebody wishes they had wings. It happens because you like literally must have wings or you die type of situation. Um, a new pathway might be created, you know, in a certain subsegment of the population to allow for flying or growing wings. And from the offspring of, of that individual, um, all of their offspring would already have that new pathway. So within this one genome, there is a possibility to build new pathways within the physical. Hmm. And if that happened, that would stop being part of the junk DNA and start being a legitimate pathway. Hmm. 
if that mutation indeed did happen. Or like losing a tail, right? So Homo sapiens, like that part of DNA is, is a primate DNA, which means, you know, like chimps pretty much, right? Monkeys had tails, right? Now they had longer tails. You guys have a tailbone, right? It's a, it's a mutation. The tail was not needed um, because you guys are like, um, you, you don't really need to balance it because you don't climb trees. Like the, the reason chimps and, and, and monkeys have tails is to balance and, and really it's for tree climbing. You didn't really need that. So that pathway was removed and now it became part of the junk DNA, if that makes sense. That makes sense. But it's really not so junk. And also, if all of a sudden humanity needed to start climbing trees for survival, and that was the only way for it to survive, it would become unjunk really quickly. <laughs> so now I wonder, uh, what are the main maybe means of this DNA change? Is it like a true, if we talk about uh, humans, right? Yeah, so there, uh, I see where you're going with this. Like, how come um, evolution is even possible? Uh, yeah, and like by what means? Is it like really uh, somebody's desire, true yes. desire, so there or are, interference? Yeah, there are. Well, interference is always a possibility, by the way, um, because like every mathematical system, DNA is a very programmable system, like any any computer program. Um, so that's why genetic experiments of all sorts are so simple and easy. Um, there are two reasons why a species gets to evolve: a need or a desire. Mm-hmm. And, and they are really two sides of the same coin. And um, very often it needs to happen at a collective level. Meaning if one person is sitting at home and really wants to fly, but that's not a collective wish, that's not a collective desire or a collective need, that's not going to happen. What are because the species evolve yeah. as a species. Uh-huh. The main restriction is the collective mindset. Yes. It just stops from... That desire or that needs uh, has to be there at the collective level. Mm -hmm. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Um, But like everything in the collective, it it always starts with one spark. Yeah. One person can spark this desire and then the entire population. And then kind of like infect, so to say, right? Not in a bad way. But like, uh, you know, they say good ideas are infectious. (laughs) Same, Mm -hmm. Same way, right? Like desires tend to be infectious. Like they need to infect through their emotional, mental bodies. They really impact their species first and foremost and then they impact the rest of the creation so they would need to kind of like infect um their brethren uh, with that same same concept and then if enough of them develop that same need or that same desire and i think it's more applicable to desire because the need is more like a survival mechanism Mm -hmm. um like if all the um oceans were to dry out it would be a necessity for water animals to evolve if they could mm-hmm. right now of course water water doesn't dry overnight in general so it would be a gradual process right that the reduction of the surface of an ocean so they would have time over time to develop a need and necessity mm-hmm. because enough of them would die right and um, because of that it would develop a collective need to not die and to not go extinct because um every time that um, especially for like animal um type of herd um herd species and and herd mentalities they sense within their collective consciousness if their species is dying at an unprecedented levels or at levels that threaten its survival and that triggers that mechanism um or need for survival 
at mm-hmm. a collective level. Yeah. And that's when they can start manifesting all types of things within their body. Mm-hmm. And that changes their DNA. Right? So that's the first part of your question. Yeah. There was a second part of your question of activating DNA. Um, and activating DNA generally is used in a more spiritual sense, I would say. So for the lighter bodies, or sorry, so for the lighter strands, right? So not necessarily in the physical. It's not like you're, you have brown eyes and you're looking to activate blue eyes. That's not really how it's used today. Although, could it possibly? Maybe, right? Um, that, though, is a little bit easier for a parent because y- you know how I said that those physical physical things are predetermined, mm-hmm. right, at the moment of conception. What parents could influence, though, for instance, if they really, like, wanted a child with blue eyes, for instance, or, like, a tall tall child or a child that I don't know had some other characteristic they could manifest that at the process at the time of conception hmm. Interesting. through activating that if that's available within um, within their gene pool mm-hmm. right if there is you know how there is like dominant genes and recessive genes but um, even if within the gene pool there is even a possibility that this baby could have blue eyes and both of the parents really were dead set on blue eyes in the process of conception, they could will that gene to be solidified as the core gene for, for, for this um, for this particular human, right? Mm. But post-conception, not really easy to change, and definitely impossible, at least in your three D space reality. Once the baby is already born, um, then the baby really tends to decide. You, you do have you do have children that are born with like one eye color and then they change, but it's mostly their decision, not their parents' decision, and it's really more subconscious than conscious, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about light strand DNA activation. So you can think of that as activating your like abilities or other kinds of skills, right? That maybe are beyond the norm or beyond the veil. Um, there are many triggers. There are triggers that are planetary level triggers. There are triggers that are triggers from your ancestors. There are triggers that are embedded in DNA from extraterrestrials. And there are triggers for awakening that are embedded in your DNA by your higher self. So it's a little bit complicated, as you can imagine, just by the virtue of me describing all the, <laughs> the different triggers. Mm-hmm. So I'll, but I'll, I can start giving you examples and maybe it'll, um, bring it home for you for example right now you know that planet earth is going from third dimensional consciousness to fifth dimensional consciousness as part of this exercise certain dna's that certain dna strands are going to become activated why because that shift in energies is a trigger for a light dna portion for the portion of that light dna to become activated Right. Yeah. So 100% of souls that are going to go through the, su- the successful transition, or rather would go through the uh, transition successfully from 3D to 5D, are going to undergo a trigger of that light DNA activation. And by the way, this is exactly what a lot of you are going through right now. And it is disguised under COVID. 
is really all it is is light strand DNA activation. Um, vibrations of the planet are growing pretty dramatically. You have just walked into a new epoch, a new era, right? So um, the new DNA strands that are being activated are the ones that also have to deal with, on, on top of just like the ones that are perfect for fifth dimensional consciousness, the other type of light DNA um, activations that are happening are have to do with the element of air, right? So a lot of activations is happening. Now, when just because it's quote unquote light DNA and it's invisible, it doesn't mean it's not real. It's just as real as what you can see with your physical eyes. That's why a lot of you can be experiencing very strange symptoms around health. And it started in 2020, and then that's going to go until 2023. And they're going to call it every which kind of virus. But really what it is, is massive activation of light DNA strands within humanity. Because you guys are traveling on a spacecraft, I say that very loosely, called planet Earth. And the spacecraft's moved on. And so you guys are all on this ride. Now, some of you are not able to activate the DNA successfully because it's a big shakeup for all of your light bodies and your physical body. For the ones, and especially older people have a hard time with that. That's why you see a lot of people, older people, quote unquote, dying from COVID. A lot of you are not able to activate the new strands around the element of air. So yes, COVID is a respiratory disease. And yes, the lungs of COVID patients look worse than the lungs of a, like a heavy smoker that's been smoking for 30 years because it's the new energies of air that are coming through. And neither your lungs are able to um, carry and hold on to high dimensional air frequencies or they can't. And if they can't, unfortunately, you're not going to make it into the next um, loop of, 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 of adventure honestly for planet earth right so i give you like one example hopefully that hits home so yeah. this transition of planet from 3d to 5d is a trigger event right mm -hmm. by the way you've all signed up to be here at this trigger event this is not a coincidence and the not oh my god what's happening to my body i didn't sign up for this yeah you did so you could experience all kinds of weird symptoms um headaches mood swings, even suicidal tendencies, all of that really is, is the activation. And the suicidal tendencies are people like trying to understand subconsciously if they can handle all these energies or not. It's like they're asking themselves, is it too much for me? I don't know. Can I take this? I don't know. It feels like intense. Intense stuff is happening. So all of you can agree that intense things tend to happen but it's not because of the media and it's not because of the fear mongering it's because you are all fearing uh, fe fearing feeling these energies and yes you are fearing them because it's a big upgrade <laughs> big fat huge okay yeah. that's one mm -hmm. um another type of activation so um i i, I, <laughs> I kind of want to say that and then i don't depending on the audience, because like I see some of you like listen to the to this phrase and then just completely fall off uh, the podcast. But I'm, I'm going to say it anyway. So um, huma humanity is curated by quite a few races of extraterrestrials. Um, 
that being said, um, the ones of you that have um, extraterrestrial DNA might be going through your own journeys. Now, unfortunately, I can't give you one example that's going to fit the whole mold because only about 5 to 7% of you really have those extraterrestrial strands being activated right now. So it's, you know, a reasonably small, minor, niche percentage of you. But all kinds of special abilities that are native to that extraterrestrial race could, uh, could become activated. I'll give you some examples, not like race-specific, but telepathy, for instance is one of the triggers, one of the things that would get activated as you go into the 5D consciousness. So that same trigger that triggers certain aspects in all of humanity, right, like certain symptoms, also triggers additional symptoms in some star seeds, so souls that really have a lot of extraterrestrial DNA. So some of you might start, like if you're part of the 5-7%, you might, might start feeling like you could read other people's thoughts or um, this concept of like being able to really, really communicate with like your friends and loved ones and like really understand them from a distance. So that phenomena where like you think of someone and they like instantly call you, instantly write you is a form of telepathy. And it would, you know, keep being activated in a lot of you, for instance. That's like one example. Lucid yeah. dreaming, another form of extraterrestrial um, ability. Um, so... And, and like astral travel, out-of-body travel, another form of extraterrestrial ability that is becoming um, activated more and more. There are others. Mm -hmm. um, other activations of DNA. Um, I mentioned that there is a whole compartment that comes from um, your ancestry line. There are different positions you could be holding within your ancestry line. You could be a protector, you could be the healer. Um, you could be the, the shaman. You could be the one in charge. We can call it the director, if you will. So there are multiple ones. And as, you know, obviously, within the lineage, there's only a small part of lineage that's incarnated, and the vaster majority are people that have already passed on and moved on, right? They, they are part of that lineage, but they're dead for all intents and purposes. Um, so some of them, you know, depending on, so you can think of a lineage as, as an energetic structure that almost has titles and like different souls have different, are appointed different titles or different roles within the lineage. And some of the roles can only be appointed to beings that are currently incarnated and others can be appointed to anybody living today or in the past, if that makes sense. Yeah. So sometimes certain abilities or certain DNA strands are going to become activated within a human when a new title has passed on to them. For example, say your grandma was the healer um, and appointed the healer of the lineage, but she died. And a healer tends to be the archetype for the living, um, for somebody who's incarnated. It just tends to be so. Same the shaman. Like, um, um, now it's a great honor to be selected as the shaman, um, but they, they tend to be only, like these titles only tend to be bestowed upon people who are currently incarnated. Mm -hmm. So when the title passes from one, like your grandma to you, for instance, you're going through what's called an activation. You might have heard of like shamanic activations when people sometimes like have fevers for like weeks upon weeks. 
that is because a certain strand of their DNA has been activated and there was a trigger event to activate it. Hmm. Now, the trigger event is not just, it's not as simple as like the death of somebody in the family or the birth of somebody in the family. It doesn't, or like the, the passing of the title. It could be anything. Um, because trigger events are determined by a lineage. So I'll give you an example. The lineage might say, okay, our trigger event is if somebody makes a million dollars. I kid you not, that could be a trigger event. And they're like, when somebody makes a million dollars, you're like, gets rich, whatever. We want to trigger this ability. And that could be an ability of, I don't know, um, clear communication, for instance. It's like a gift that you get for getting to a certain level. It's like an upgrade. You know, like in a game when you have levels, like sometimes you would get like, <laughs> I don't know, like an extra sword or something for like making, I don't know, collecting a certain number of coins or something. <laughs> Yeah. Like a reward for uh -huh. an action well taken. You, when you incarnate into a particular lineage, know what are the actions that are rewarded by your lineage. It could be clearing some ancestral karma. For instance, if you help us untangle this karmic knot that has been in our lineage for 3,000 years, you get to unpack this thing, which could be, I don't know, like um, access to our ancestral abundance or access to our healing gifts, or access to, um, I don't know, <laughs> I wanted to say access to like seeing ghosts, but then it doesn't sound like such a great gift after all. <laughs> so, you know what, let, let me just hold on to that. But like, ironically, this is some of the gifts that lineage has bestowed upon their incarnated um, members. So that's yeah. why I came through. But you, you get the point, right? Yeah. So you you some of your abilities some of your lighter dna strands get activated thanks to your service so to say either to humanity or the lineage hmm. and then last bucket but not least is the triggers that your higher self sets up for you and generally those triggers um are like triggers in a computer game like once you level up it gives you more things it could be more resources more energy more abilities more friends, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, those triggers are, it could be anything under the sun. For example, it could, it could be, well, you're only going to meet your soulmate in this incarnation if you get a master's degree in physics. Like, it, it could be that random. Hmm. <laughs> or it could be something that's a little less random. Like, for instance, um, if you overcome your fear of heights, I want you to unlock x or if you embark on i don't know a journey across the world um in a little boat and complete it successfully you unlock this x y or z ability right mm -hmm. so like your higher self and like the way they plan incarnations is beyond me because some higher higher selves from my perspective don't make much sense so like i see all kinds of really strange triggers <laughs> from like Killing a fly is a trigger for some people to, I don't know, donating a billion dollars to charity could be a trigger to unlock all kinds of goodness and abilities. Oh. Now, the, the funny part is you as an incarnated 3D being sometimes have no idea what the triggers are. So you really don't know where, where to go or what to do for rewards. So very often... 
you know, you might unlock a special ability or a special type of frequency and you didn't, you don't even know what happened, but it's just from the perspective of your higher self, you did something they wanted you to do. So they gave you like this extra donut or like an, an extra coin tossed your way. That's really cool. Yeah. And then you were talking about the ancestral and uh, planetary. So if you do some kind of service maybe for the planet, then who rewards you with the reward? It depends on the triggers that are set up. If your ancestral line is inclined to do planetary work, they could choose to set up triggers for planetary contributions. Mm -hmm. Your higher self can set up triggers for planetary contributions if it believes that planetary work is in its best interest for self-expansion. Extraterrestrials can impose planetary work triggers, especially extraterrestrials that, you know, have a vested interest in in, in the fate and future of planet Earth. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So basically these rewards can come from many different places. Yeah, depends on the triggers and depends on circumstance. Oh, that's awesome. They could also come from multiple different places. Like one trigger event can trigger benefits from multiple different sources. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Okay, so and um, is there like maybe a way? Because I was researching and a lot of people talk about like how can I activate my DNA, like my light DNA or like soul DNA. Like what what does it mean? And is there? Oh God! um, I mean, so activating your light DNA is a little bit of. like digging for gold Hmm. uh you know there was like a gold frenzy (laughs) or like sometimes like there would be a period and like all of humanity just wants to like go and find treasure yeah (laughs) collectively Uh um so like the, the next generation proverbial treasure is unlocking your light dna strands like that is going to become such a treasure hunt if you if you could only see um it's like mining asteroids (laughs) <laughs> that's like you know you're going to be mining asteroids for all type of wealth all types of wealth in the physical as well as like trying to mine your dna for all types of special abilities and energy etc cetera, etc cetera. now if only things were that simple mm-hmm. because i guarantee you 99 percent of the different activation meditations that you can come across don't work because they don't factor in the complexity that I just described to you. Mm-hmm. The best way to activate your lighter DNA strands is to trigger the activation, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, by achieving. By achieving and, 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 and making things happen and, and doing the things that these entities want you to do, hmm. right? Now, that, is that the only way? No, but then we would also need to almost like look and examine each of these things separately. So the best way to unlock gifts and light DNA strands that are connected to your higher self and higher aspects is to establish the relationship with your higher self under and understand your mission. Then firmly step on that mission and start walking. That's really the right way of activating those strands. Hmm. The right way to activate and and put in the triggers and um, activate the triggers from your ancestry line 
is to connect to your ancestry line and understand what is like how do you fit into that framework of your ancestry line what does your ancestry line value or what is the mission and the purpose of your ancestry line what is it struggled with how can you help and what's your title hmm. because by understanding that you go really deep and you would be able to walk in the path of activating this triggers a lot more seamlessly hmm. um if you have extraterrestrial DNA, connecting with that extraterrestrial group through listening to their channelings or, you know, reading books potentially, however you can, could also accelerate the trigger event. Is that the only way? No. Um, other, you know, tricks and other things that you could do Absolutely, there's, you know, there's always a loophole for everything. For instance, if you want to activate your, um, like, certain aspects of your light DNA, past life regression is a really good way of doing that because your past life regression inadvertently connects you to the gifts from your higher self, right? All those compartments that are hidden and are inaccessible to you by the simple act of remembering something um, you are being joined with those energies, reconnected to those energies, and those energies start fortifying you in that process, that strand, uh, or a portion of that strand could become activated. Because where your attention goes, your energy goes. Where your energy goes, um, that strand has to become activated, otherwise it, you know, that connection is not real, it cannot happen. Mm -hmm. So past life regression, which is a version of connecting to your higher self and your personal Akashic record field, is an incredibly useful tool. Um, that's one of the, the kind of like the, the possible ways. Uh -huh. Sometimes doing shadow work could activate your light DNA strands. Because you start you stopped denying and disowning a part of you and you are rejoined with an aspect of your consciousness which raises your vibration. Another really, really big, fat, huge trigger for DNA activation is your personal vibration. So if you focus on raising your vibration, by definition, more doors are going to be unlocked for you within your personal DNA sequence. What are the things that contribute to you raising your vibration? Everything that you eat and consume from food and drink to information, right? To um, even communities and people that you congregate with and your friends with. All of that is a form of consumption, right? So everything that enters in your personal vibrational field either lowers your vibration, maintains your vibration, or increases your vibration. So if you're able to raise your vibration, eventually, as your vibrations gradually rise, there will be trigger events along the way. And thanks to these trigger events, you would be able to unlock more strands of your DNA and more special abilities. If that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yes. So apart from just doing like a fake meditation to try to untap that, 
um, doing the actual work around raising your vibration could be really like a beautiful, beautiful practice that pays back in more ways than one. It will make you a healthier being. It will allow you to live longer. It would allow you to live happier. It would tap into your deeper DNA potential, activate it, and, you know, make you a little bit maybe more superhuman. Hmm. Interesting. So literally any practice you could do to raise your vibration is the right, like the right thing to pay attention to is the right direction to keep digging. Uh-huh. Yeah. Instead of like a magic bullet and the practice that unlocks. Um, it's interesting because you mentioned that there will be some kind of treasury hunt in the future. Is it something that we're going to see in the nearest future or it's something that will maybe happen? 200 years from now yeah yeah can you maybe explain what it means like very curious um there would be some extraterrestrial technology that's not necessarily accessible to the rest like to so to say 100 percent of humanity but would be accessible to some yeah that would be able to shed the light on no pun intended, the light strands of the DNA, the lighter strands of the DNA, and be able to showcase what encoded information is um, is there. Mm -hmm. Meaning, like, you would be able to see, like, okay, this is a parcel of telepathy, this is the parcel of clairvoyance, this is a parcel of, I don't know, walking on water. I'm joking, but mm -hmm. <laughs> you get yeah. the point, right? Yeah. So treasure hunting would be knowing what's in there and then trying to fool the system to activate this prior to when you're ready. Hmm. Hmm. That's what I, I call a treasure hunt. Interesting that you mentioned walking on water. Um, so walking on water, is it like an ability that is kind of possible because of your DNA? Or yes. Yes? Yes, it's, um, it, it changes the density of your body. It's ability to change the density of your body and really... Um, merge your physical body with your lighter bodies enough so that it weight changes because it's being distributed um, evenly across the different bodies. So in essence, you become lighter. Mm. Yeah. So is it a physical uh, DNA in this case no. or still a light DNA? Light. It's a light DNA that yes. allows you to change the density of your physical body. Yes. Interesting. Oh, wow. So basically the humanity have unlimited possibilities. Yes. Mm. Okay. And uh, you mentioned that there are extraterrestrial DNAs and most people don't have access uh, to these DNAs. What about the rest of the population? Um, are there any interesting maybe light DNAs that can be activated in the nearest future? Mm, I'm not sure I understand the question because I find, from my perspective, mm -hmm. the light DNA strands that are coming from your higher self to be the most fascinating and the most interesting because they're the most higher dimensional. Mm -hmm. So by saying that somebody has or doesn't have an extraterrestrial DNA, I fail to see how that's a problem or makes it less exciting. Oh, I see what you mean. That makes sense. Okay, but... From my perspective, extraterrestrial DNA is still quite rudimentary DNA. 
And in fact, it's quite limiting uh, because extraterrestrials, again, every race is a limiting place to be. Whereas your higher self has a much wider canvas to be able to paint on, uh-huh. a much broader canvas. So actually the biggest unlocks and the most unique gifts would always come from your higher self and higher being. Uh-huh. Now, the challenge with that is the earth plane dimensions are still quite dense to be able to bring in something that's truly extraordinary. Mm-hmm. So even if your higher self has the ability to do something that's truly extraordinary within the framework of planet earth, they yeah. might not be able to bring it through just yet. Mm-hmm. But as dimensions of planet Earth gradually grow, you're going to see a lot more diversity and a lot more interesting abilities come through. But they're going to be courtesy of your higher self and not necessarily courtesy of extraterrestrials, which again is a collective species. Mm -hmm. Um, Less uniqueness there, if I say so myself. And then as opposed to your um, ancestral lineages that that are really for the most part tied to this planet. Interesting. So not much originality there. And uh, if you look at the maybe um, on a hundred percent scale it seems like most of the changes in dna happen because of the change of environment like we go to the fifth dimension or no, change of uh, that that is change of frequency not really the environment um yes sorry the yes. change of frequency yes um or maybe because you achieve certain things in your life right uh, you get gifts yes but change of environment is a really really good point as well because uh with change of environment whether we're like in the um, ice age mm-hmm. or in the great flood although great fl- floods don't tend to last quite as long and they're, they're still limited by the like types of creatures that inhabited that's a change in, of environment and it does trigger the dna change mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. so external circumstance <clears throat> circumstances that are 3d circumstances trigger and um and a reevaluation of dna mm-hmm. so if we had a massive sequence of volcanic eruptions or change of tectonic plates um or massive tsunamis or something so, so it's a massive cataclysmic event of planetary proportions um all of your dna's would trigger an internal reevaluation. Now that happens on a mechanical level, like mm-hmm. an instinct. It's not even subconscious; it's mechanical, um, because this doesn't require any consciousness. It's like an instinct, yeah, like a knee-jerk reaction. It's it's in the same realm, right? Because like knee-jerk reactions are not subconscious; they're mechanical reactions of your body. Same thing, like a massive. Um, an event of massive planetary proportions that's like um, a force majeure type a circumstance always triggers with uh, each of the species of the planet a reevaluation of their DNA. And in that process of reevaluation, um, the question that needs to be answered is how can we quickly adjust to the changing macro factors? Hmm. And can we as a species? And if the answer is yes then the change is triggered instantly. If the answer is we can't, the species basically dies out. Right. And, uh, and how... species die all the time, so it's not like this is terribly unique. <laughs> how often um, the DNA is changed by like a pure desire? By pure desire? Yeah. Often. Hmm. Often. 
can can you maybe uh, give some examples or like what well, is um, needed li- uh, like um some forms of lizards were really a byproduct of frogs mm-hmm. that um their desire was um to not be amphibians anymore and to get out of the um like the uh, water zones mm-hmm. and more live in the sun and so that was like a desire to experience that as an um as um um yeah just have that as an experience mm. and so they grew um the, the their skin changed right so like that um, um their skin became more rigid uh-huh. um their skin they, they also um dis- uh, not decided well i guess decided yes desired an elongated tail because that was it's a way to sense your surroundings that you don't really need if you're in the water so much so like that aspect of the body became elongated mm, i see and so that was a collective desire of a you know a part of the species because mm-hmm. there are still frogs and there are like these types of baby lizards what about humans um What did humans change because they desired to change it? Yes. Not because they needed to change it. Yeah, not because of the environment or conditions, but... I'm trying to see. Um, I don't know if that... um, (laughs) Does this calculate as desire or does it not? Oh, okay. So, um, shapes of the eyes for women mm-hmm. were changed because of desire mm-hmm. and they became, um, a lot more almond shaped hmm. than, uh, original because like the eyes of the primates were very round very often and somehow women got into their heads that that was not the most appealing way of being. And so they like eyes became a lot more elongated, more almond shaped, hmm. uh, to give, the like the more mysterious quote-unquote look (laughs) so the form of the eye and that was like a pure like i wanted to look a certain way um and the same like another thing that um was also a desire again like women are a really really good subject because they really get excited about looking a certain way in more ways than men do so um women have a lot less body hair and a lot less facial hair because that gender just perceives this to be more aesthetically pleasing and it's their desire to be aesthetically pleasing. So they developed less body hair because that was a desire to be more visually aesthetically pleasing, whereas men did not necessarily care. So it's basically thousands and thousands of women were desiring this to happen. Yes. Right. I wish I had less hair. Hair. Yeah. And then, boom, a couple of thousand generations after, women have less hair. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's still going on, by the way. Like the future generation of women, now thanks to laser and everything, that desire is still very much prevalent in the human psyche. Oh. So as years go by, women are going to be birthed with like less and less mm-hmm. hair yeah. everywhere apart from maybe their actual head <laughs> and lashes. <laughs> Yeah. Because that tends to be where they want more hair. Uh-huh. So lashes over time are going to become thicker and thicker and thicker and also darker. 
Uh-huh. So women also like are now right now they're manifesting darker lashes for themselves. Now this is not something that has. Well, I guess you could argue that this this is a necessity because <laughs> if you need a mate, like if if you need to procreate, right? So you, I guess you looks really help. So, but uh, honestly, from the higher perspective, that's more a desire than a need to have like. To look a certain way uh-huh. and to have like darker lashes and more volu- voluminous hair that's not necessarily like a survival thing got it you don't have to technically have hair to survive but it takes thousands of years yeah right? it's a very yeah, yeah, slow yeah. process yeah mm-hmm. yeah got it <laughs> yeah so facial features and in, yeah in some bone structures awesome is there um anything else um that maybe humanity needs to know about the DNA that you honestly given that we're um, making this in 2021 Mm -hmm. don't freak out when you're having weird body symptoms from like body aches like your um, I don't know your spinal cord starts hurting or you have some weird pain in your neck or in your in your belly or like things that come out of nowhere or fear uh sorry um not fear um fever was the word i was looking for fever um that is not that does not necessarily mean you're sick with covid and or flu or any of that um you're going through a massive upgrade and a massive transition and a massive activation of um, a big chunk of your light dna so this is actually a call for celebration um, and this is a call for more special abilities, more intuitive abilities for you in the future, um, abilities to better communicate with one another, um, abilities to become more perceptive and more discerning. And what is also being activated right now and solidified is not only your third eye activation, so a lot of you are going through, unbeknownst to you, third eye activation. So if you have a headache, be really glad because your pineal is waking up, just so you know, right? And a lot of you are really solidifying another type of headache, um, your communication with your higher self. So like that, those pathways are being activated and solidified, so your crown chakras. So in the next 18 months, you can expect all types of weird headaches that don't seemingly come out of nowhere, including for people that historically have never had headaches. So know that no, this is not, you know, doesn't mean that you need to swallow like a pill right away to get rid of that. Actually staying in that pain, so to say, and almost like imagining and helping your body in that expansion. So first be patient with your body and be when it's hurting, don't stuff it with chemicals that are going to try to suppress the reaction or fix you or heal you, what have you. Try to work with your body and send light um, into the part of your body that's trying to expand because that's what it needs the most. Not pills and not you being mad at it. It needs more light and more expansion. You can even try to kind of like almost like imagine that with the help of your hands, you're physically expanding that part of your body that's hurting because all it is is like that part of your body is trying to contain more energies than ever before, trying to invite in more energies. So helping it as opposed to blaming it or trying to... Um, act like your body is your enemy is really what you're supposed to be doing and really be glad because humanity hasn't been through such a rapid period of dna 
activation in probably good 8,000 years. So this is a very special, special time. It is a special time. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for the advice. Um, and uh, now I'm going to end our session. Thank you so much for listening to Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have a suggestion for a topic we should explore in the future, please email us at hello at conversationswithmyhigherself.co. If you resonate with our message, please consider leaving us a review or sharing this episode with your friends. The world is going to be better off for it. With much love, Maria and Sergey.